Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you. On a Tuesday morning, thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners out there, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse or Churn and Churn Starting Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at uh, Brupolo over in Tupelo. We're going to keep it simple today. It'd be kind of weird if Brupolo was in Jackson, our state yeah. capital. You know, it wouldn't, doesn't really work. It doesn't really capital, work. Capital Brew. Capital Brew is actually not a bad idea. I don't know where they would put it, but we'll, just, we'll throw it on the pile of million dollar ideas. Well, wherever you are in our great state, if you are in our state's capital or wherever, you can get uh, Strange Brew Coffee every morning. All you got to do is order it online and have it shipped right to your door. Whatever kind of coffee machine you've got sitting out there. You can get Strange Brew Coffee for it. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. Father's Day is less than a couple of weeks away here, guys. It's time to, you know, kind of start throwing, dropping the hints. If, you, if they don't know yet, they need to know now that you need some new Mississippi State merchandise. You need a new polo. You need some new shirts for this, this uh, upcoming football season. Get them from College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Calm. Excuse me. Humble Taco, Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. It is Taco Tuesday at Humble Taco, which means there are tacos that you should be eating, and they're at Humble Taco. Different kind of taco than you've ever had anywhere else, though. Great stuff, new stuff, unique stuff. You can't get it anywhere else. Humble Taco on University Drive. That's the place to go for Mexican tonight. Looking for a great lunch idea? Why not Firehouse Subs? Download the free Firehouse Subs app, and boom, you got you got the world at your fingertips. Place your order online; it's ready within a couple of minutes, and the reward points they pile up so fast you'll be eating free sandwiches before you know it. Locations in Starville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison—that's Firehouse Subs. Hey, Rob. Hey, how are you today, sir? I'm okay. Been dealing with uh, Tennessee fans in my mentions. Which is no different than any other day. It yeah, seems like stay with angry fans in your mentions because I'm telling the truth. They, People don't like to hear the. They truth. don't want to hear the truth. I know. I get that. I understand that very much. And no one can dispute anything that I'm saying. They just get mad and they go find tweets that I tweeted six years ago and and try to unearth something to get me fired and things like that or yeah they'll talk about something mississippi state did and i don't care yeah well good luck with that but here's the thing tennessee fans are the worst all right so we're putting them number one we're putting them ahead of south carolina women's basketball infinitely infinitely the worst fan base in the world at least on twitter I, mean, I haven't talking. dealt with I haven't dealt with any like English Premier Soccer fans or anything like that, so I don't I, weird, I couldn't dude. I I couldn't speak on any of that. But as far as college sports are concerned, especially Tennessee takes the cake, and they all have fake names and terrible photoshops, and they all speak like they're you know twenty year old losers. And uh, as you can see, they've they've Obviously, made me very very angry today. But What's okay? I've begun I've begun the muting process. I've muted about twenty of them, and uh, I will never see what they say ever again. So uh, we're 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 getting we're digging into the fan base here. We're getting rid of everyone possible, and uh, that will make things better. Well, I'm 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 happy for you that you're going to be able to get through this. So all that to say, 
running around the bases and flipping off the fans is there's nothing cool about that. Like, are we, are we, do you think the SEC might suspend him? I mean, that that feels like I feel like if that happened in a football game. There'd be a suspension. I mean, it's it's really kind of outrageous. And and somebody found some tweet that I tweeted five years ago where I said that we should figure out or people should flip off the fans or something. Okay, that was stupid. But at this point in my life, I think it's very dumb and classless to run around the bases holding your middle finger in the air. I mean, I just feel like, you know, this isn't an episode of Eastbound and in, Down. This in, is college in, baseball. In college football, that would have been a flag and an unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, I mean, there has to be some sort of penalty for that. I mean, the first base umpire when Elijah McNamee hits a home run in his last right. at bat at Duty Noble is losing his crap. Where were the Where were the umpires here? I mean, it's not like Jordan Beck just gave it a quick flash. I mean, he was rolling around the bases with his arm in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a difference between and like this stuff, like with Tennessee, like it's just you know, it's it's fine. Like I. I, I kind of like the fact that they've embraced being the villains of college baseball and they wear the stupid hat and the um, fur coat and all that stuff. It, that is what it is. I like that. It's good for college baseball to have that villain and to have people tuning into that because they are must-see t- TV at this point. They have uh, you know, a coach that, that fuels all that. But this stuff is ridiculous, man. I mean, where, does, where, where do we draw the line here? And it's, it's, it's filtered into the fa- fan base who just found out baseball existed last year. And they're all just turning into it's, – it's turning into, you know, wrestling from the, night, the late 1990s when this is college sports. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to get ratings here. We're trying to play the game. And these guys doing stuff like that is not good for the game. Not, like, I'm not going to be the old fogey or anything like that, but that stuff's not – that stuff doesn't move the needle for me. I got you. Well, good luck. I don't think it's good. I don't think good it's luck good. luck getting them out of their mentions. Real quick before we get into Mississippi State stuff, uh, Tanner Hall on the mound for USM today. Really? Yeah. Yes. On two days rest? Yeah, and 100 pitches can't, can't be more than like two or three. Yet. No, he, he's just going to be an opener sure. probably. One turn to the rotation and – and try to come back. Uh, probably, I wouldn't be surprised. But you know, I mean, this is how they used to do it back in the day. Yeah. I mean, Eric Dubose. Eric Dubose, yeah. And that, and that regional pitched in 97. That was 97, right? Was it 97? Yes, you're correct. Pitched like two or three days earlier, mm-hmm. like a complete game or something. Came pitched back on and Friday pitched and came a, back on Monday. It's another complete game. Yeah. And now our arms are totally different, different these now, days. Yeah. But, but it can happen. Yeah. But, all right. Mississippi State stuff. Let's let's get into that. Um, oh, John Rothstein just tweeted out Isaiah Mosley has cut his list down. Well, to Missouri and Mississippi State. Well, good for him. You you're gonna have to forgive me if I'm not gonna hold my breath on that one. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, that that that's a whole show in and of itself. Make I it want to talk. You know, because state's athletic year is obviously over, right? And there's no, no sports currently active. Um, so I want to talk about next year, you know, start looking ahead, maybe some big picture ideas of, of what we'll call the big four. You know, I know softball has had a fantastic year. Volleyball had a great year last year, but I, I think you and I both agree that we don't know enough about those teams to sit here and really talk about what they should look like next season. Certainly not for me anyway. Um, but the other four, you know, the big four football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, Feel like we can we can we can get a good stab at that. We'll, we'll we'll do football last. I want to do the basketball ones first. Now with men's basketball, we're still waiting on some guys. You just mentioned Isaiah Mosley, and that recruitment has has been one to follow. This is MSU fans, in my opinion, first real foray into high level portal recruiting. They haven't had to to wait it out on on a guy like this yet, and it, it shows it shows in some of their their reactions. But Mosley is Mosley a, a Obviously, he's a difference maker. What is your prediction for Mississippi State with him versus without him next season? This is, this is a huge piece of the puzzle here. Um, and we, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, to me, this guy's the difference in being a, a fringe NCAA tournament team and not making the NCAA tournament and not, and not really being in the mix. I think, I think this guy's a – 
a big piece of things from Mississippi State. And that's why you wait out all this drama and all this stuff happening. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with him, but you kind of are at the mercy of his recruitment right now. There, There is no one else out there that you can say, okay, we'll just go to somebody else, which right, I think they've pretty much done with ACOT. Yeah. This guy, you've got to wait. you got to wait and see what he does because you're not going to find somebody in the portal that averages 20 points a game and that's able to do um, so many different things as well. So I think this guy is, is a huge piece of the puzzle for Mississippi State and could, get, could be a guy that gets you into the NCAA tournament. If that's the case and you're one for, for Chris James, you got to wait it out and see if he, he can make it here. It, I, I would say at this moment in time, it appears that the momentum is leaning away from Mississippi State on that deal. So, yes. you know, a couple of guy, couple of spots still available. Is getting a guy like Mosley, I think a score is what this team kind of lacks, right? They don't have a Molinar, a DJ Stewart, a guy that they can just trust to go get a bucket when they need one at this time. I don't, I don't think because Tolu Smith is a post player, right? We're talking about a guy who can who can create his own shot. The state doesn't have that guy, do they? No, I don't. I don't see anybody in the portal like Mosley. And I, you know, I, I don't think that he's just this like superstar. Like I, you know, I, I, mean, I think he's really good. Like, I'm not saying that he's not really good, but I mean, and there, there's been better players come come in and out of the portal. But right now, you don't have anybody else like that mm-hmm. that can come in and immediately be, you know, I would say probably like a 15, 16 point per game scorer in the SEC. Long, rangy, athletic guy that can really fill it up. I don't think there's anybody out there like that. There's nobody that that Mississippi State's looking at that, like you said, like I said, you can put an ultimatum on the table here, get in or get out. They're, they can't do that right now with him. So then, let's make that assumption that he's not coming. They, they'll find they'll find some guys to fill those spots. They'll find you know, competent guys. You know, are they going to find guys that are proven scores? Maybe, maybe not. What is this team for you? What's the expectation level for you in year one with Chris Chance? I mean, without Mosley, I would say just try to find a way to get into the NIT. I mean, I, I mean, there's just like there's too many unknowns. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some good pieces that you're returning, and you're, you've added some solid pieces as well. But I don't see you know seriously you know NCAA tournament. I'm not getting those vibes from this team like I did last year, just because of the unknowns. It's year one with a new coach. There's just there's too many question marks for me. So like postseason, just getting postseason and kind of t- take it step by step. You get Mosley, and that changes a lot of things. Um, so I mean, I, that's just a it's a big wait and see for me. I I think he's going. He really is kind of the the key cog here for Mississippi State moving forward, you get a talent like that to go with the pieces that you already have in place, and you're in pretty good shape. I mean, you're, I mean, you think about what they're bringing back. I mean, they lost some good pieces, but you, you essentially replace Iverson Molinar with, with Isaiah Mosley, mm-hmm. which is not a bad trade-off. I mean, I think this guy can, can fill it up too. Um, so I, that's, you didn't lose a ton – if that's your replacement, you didn't lose a ton of production. Um, and then you have DJ DJ Jeffries coming back, who's going to be a great great defender. Your defense your defense is really looking sharp right now. You just got a conference defensive player of the year the other day from Albany. Um, you like the defense that you get from Cam Matthews. Like the defense that you get from DJ Jeffries. Tolu Smith is going to be you hope healthy. So you got some really good pieces there. I think that team is capable of going to the NCAA tournament, but I feel like Mosley is the one that's going to put you over the top here. I, I think I'm with you on this. You know, un- unless Tolu Smith becomes a, a like a 20 and 10 guy, and I will say this: I expect this team to be much better offensively. The the, the guys they've been able to bring in, I think, are, are you know obviously Reed Davis, better perimeter guys. Davis gives you a real point guard, somebody who can handle, somebody who can who can dish. I, I think yeah, I mean, I, improve, and that, that's the thing for me. Though it's like, so the, so 
Am I saying they're a bubble team? I, I don't know if I'm if I'm saying that or not. Because they were in the NIT last year. So yeah. if they're improved, should they, you know, be in the NCAA tournament conversation? I think that's a possibility, but they do have to play what 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 they've got right now has to play well. You need a, a big improvement out of DJ Jeffries to get there. And Jeffries could be the guy that sort of if they don't get Mosley, Jeffries could be that guy. Could be a guy who gives you 15, 16 a game. He has the talent to do it. It just did not click for him in year one at Mississippi State. Maybe year two could be a, a different year for him. I don't know. Maybe a guy like Keyshawn Murphy, who who, who redshirted a season ago, comes comes in and, and shows you that he's a real difference maker. You know, he redshirted not not for playing reasons. He was injured. So I think there's some there's some possibilities for this team to overachieve. I don't think they'll underachieve because I don't think Jans. I think Jans will drive them to at least you know reach their potential. So I'm well. I'm I'm going to pull a you. I'm if I'm presented with new evidence, I will change my opinion on this. Team. Absolutely, we should. No one hundred percent. Um, but it's like I said. I mean, there's just so many unknowns. I mean, how are these transfer additions going to um, fit? You know, I I don't know that or you're you're kind of taking a shot in the dark a lot of times when you're pulling in these transfers because you don't know how they're going to mesh with the team. You don't know how their role is going to fill out. So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. And if we get into non-conference play and see that this team is meshing really well, that can obviously change a lot of opinions on this team. I think the talent level is going to be pretty good. And we know Chris Jans has done um, a lot with less. So – this guy's a winner. He knows how to how to get it done. He knows how to build a roster. You just got to trust that he's going to be able to do it. This year, it might not work out. Who knows? But I really think that he's going to be successful here. And I think, you know, whether they get Mosley or not, whether or not they're in the NCAA tournament in one year, I don't think that's really – I don't think that really matters. I think that he's moving things in the right direction. And I just think that he needs time to show recruits and show transfers and people like that what his program is all about in the SEC. And he's going to have a much, much bigger stage now than what he did at New Mexico State. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's talk to uh, – let's talk about the women's, the women's side. That's, that's a roster that's a little – it's complete. You know who, who's going to be there. You know what's going to happen. Do we know – I guess I, I say that. Do we know for a fact that Jessica Carter will be a part of this year's team? Yes, she's actually uh, back in Starkville. I believe she was going through workouts today, so – it looks like all systems are go with her. Okay. So that being said, you know, if this is, I, I mentioned this when, when Purcell was hired, I asked him about it on sports talk, Mississippi, that, you know, this is a team that's, this is, he's the fourth coach in three years for this team. Yeah. So, I mean, that's straight, that, that, that sort of, you know, denotes a program that's in flux. That's going to be down. Right. But then you look at it and they were playing for a national title three seasons ago. And we're, you know, only two seasons removed from from being in the Elite Eight. What is this? How quickly is this turnaround going to happen for Mississippi State? Is this a team that right as it stands right now could contend for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think so. But I've mentioned several times it's a lot easier for this program to make the NCAA tournament than it is the men's. Mm -hmm. And we we, we were talking on it, uh, you know, like two or three weeks before the season ended about how that team could actually make the NCAA tournament with, you know, eight conference wins or whatever it was, going eight and ten or, or whatever the record we, we projected they could have done. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to take a whole lot for this team to get there. You know, the RPI is probably going to be relatively high. Um, and, you know, they have that name value too. They're, this isn't a team that's been – uh, far removed from in the, being in the national spotlight. So they're going to get the benefit of the doubt more than the Mississippi State men's team would get as well. So I think this team's cap- – I would project an NCAA tournament for this team. I think that's perfectly capable of being accomplished. Uh, they're going to have the roster to do it. Now the question is, you know, Sam Purcell doesn't – you kind of flip things here. Chris Jans has that – experience and he has a track record Sam Purcell has no track record we don't know what he's going to be as a coach I th- I think he's going to be a good coach but he could come out and not know what he's doing I seriously doubt that he's been coaching college basketball long enough and he's been under three hall of fame coaches I seriously doubt he's not going to know what he's doing but we, in, in fairness to, to being right down the middle here and calling it fair 
We don't know that. We don't know what he's going to do. So, again, presented with new evidence. If we get non-conference play and it's starting to tell, out, tell down, and that will change my opinion. But I think this team is capable of, of getting there, and they've got some really good pieces. You, you first start with Jessica Carter, who has not played in a, in a year and a half. So there's a lot of things, that a lot of rust that has to be knocked off. We don't know how she's going to um, – uh, we don't know what kind of shape she's going to be in. We don't know mentally where she's going to be. But I, th- I feel like she's worked really hard to get back to where she was. And she's worked through some, a lot of personal issues. And I, I'm, I'm pulling for her to get back out there and have an all-SEC season. And she's capable of doing that. And that's a player that if they have her last year, that's an NCAA tournament team. I've there's no doubt in my mind that team makes the tournament last year. I feel like these two teams are sort of like they're talking about like being mirror images. If state gets Mosley, they have the one two punch on the men's side. They already have it on the women's side with Jessica Carter and and Annie Hayes, right? I mean, yeah. Annie Hayes coming back. That's that's the that's the Mosley moment for the women's side was getting back somebody a twenty plus per game score. Well, and here's the thing about the women's team. Jerkayla Jordan is really good, too. So you, you've now gone from, you know, those two players were very effective in the SEC last year with defenses focusing in on them. Well, now you've got a 6'5 girl in the middle that can kind of draw the defense a little bit away. Those players are going to have an opportunity to expand their game a little bit, and I think they will. So you have some really good pieces here. You have Annie Hayes. You have – uh, Jaquela Jordan, Jessica Carter. You you brought in Azanae Johnson, who I think is going to be a sleeper player in the SEC. I think she's going to have a really good season. And you brought in all these other transfers. You have length, you have size, and you've got a little bit of experience. This team has a chance to be a little bit of a dark horse. But again, a lot of pieces, a lot of moving parts here that have to come together, and we just don't know yet what that's going to look like. If they do come together, this is a really talented team. But it's just a wait and see. But I, I like what I like the staff that Purcell put together. I like what he did in the transfer portal. I think this team is going to be strong this year, and we'll wait and see if that actually happens. So we're going to say NIT for the men and NCAA for the women, as it sits right here, and on June sixth. Early thoughts. Uh, that's where I'm leaning. All right. Baseball is a problem for us because we don't know the roster yet. But I'm going to say this. It's going to be an NCAA tournament team next year because I believe in Chris Lamonis' ability to find those guys, to find the guys that are going to, to help him get back to that. I believe that Hunter Hines will be one of the top hitters in college baseball next year. I expect that Slate Alford and Aaron Downs will step into roles and become good hitters for Mississippi State. I expect Kellen Clark will be back, and he will be one of the more feared power hitters in the country. Pitching, I got a ton of questions, but again, I'm going. I'm going to buy into Lamonis at this time. Now, as we've as we've said many times, if I'm wrong about that, then the show we do on June 6, 2023, might be about who the new head coach at Mississippi State for baseball is. Could very well be that if things don't go according to plan. I am going to at this time. And again, I am, I am not, you know, I've made kind of a living being Mr. Negative, but I'm going to buy into Lamonis and what he does at this time. I think this will be a regional team. They'll have an opportunity. I think they'll be in the hosting discussion, maybe not at the top half, but in the bottom half. And they'll, they'll be a top half of the SEC team again, I feel. There's just, you know, I, I believe in Lamonis too, and I think he's going to get it right. This is such a delicate situation here that we've discussed ad nauseum, it feels like. Mm-hmm. The pitching, to me, is the big concern because there aren't a ton of guys coming back that you are just really excited about. And we don't really know what's what's going to happen with the draft. I mean, you, you need to get guys like Bradley Lofton to, to campus. You need to get Colby Holcomb to campus. Those guys are pretty much imperative for you to have success next year, it feels like, because you're just not – there's not a whole lot coming back, and we just don't know what the transfer portal is going to entail. Now, I feel like the kid they just got from Memphis is going to be strong, and I think he should be a contender for a weekend spot. But who else are they going to add? They've got to – and I feel like Lamonis will 
add some solid pieces from the portal. But that is really the that's really the key to me is what what is the pitching going to look like because I, I think it's kind of an epidemic everywhere. Pitching is just not really that good across college baseball. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's one of the most important things you have to have. I mean, Ole Miss right now is making the run they're making because their pitching staff's coming together. They they might have the most impressive pitching performances of the regionals so far, what they've done in the first two games. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Southern Miss might be number two. And everybody else has just been kind of bad. State needs to be one of those teams that separates themselves that's what got Mississippi State a national championship last year was their production on the mound. Um, and that will separate you from a lot of teams in college baseball, especially right now. So pitching has got to get better for Mississippi State or it won't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's where the, the, you know, the transfer portal is going to have to come through for Mississippi State. Uh, and, and those names start, need to start rolling in in the next couple of weeks. You know, we only have until the end of the month. To see those 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 names coming in, my and guess. I, I think this week could be a big week for them. Okay. You're you're starting to see uh, all these teams dropping out of regionals. You're going to see other names popping into the portal. Mm-hmm. I think some traction is going to start happening this week. We shall see. We'll see if that is, is indeed the case. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, Brian Haydad says this is a for sure two seed in somebody's regional and possibly a host on the back half of the bracket. That's what I think for Mississippi State baseball next season. Regardless of what I know of the roster right now, that's what I'm, I'm going to predict. If I'm wrong, well, you know, I'll know if I'm wrong pretty early. I'll know if I'm wrong. Hell, I may know if I'm wrong in the next few weeks, Robbie, because if those names don't start rolling in and you just got to go back out there with what you got and what you're bringing in from the freshman class, then there's, there's probably not going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, right after the draft, you will know – because you know you got the you got the um, draft happening. You'll know who's going to sign, who's coming to school. You'll know who's going to be able to to enroll and be in be in the transfer portal. So we'll know quickly within the next month or so if, if state's going to have what it takes. Great, I agree. All right, let's uh, talk football. You got something to say? Just so our listeners know, we just recorded about. 20 minutes no, no, worth no. of no we didn't 30 minutes we, we, didn't, no, no. we, we didn't record we didn't record we didn't. any of them brian and i just had a great conversation about <laughs> arkansas kentucky msu football MSU, and it's all gone it's all- it actually it was just never there he didn't he didn't press record so we'll try we'll try this again i guess so msu football huh <laughs> all right so what were we even what, were, what, what what we even start with here? MSU football, okay, and then our expectations for that season. So oh you know that I'm I'm pretty negative kind of guy. tend to tend to be a pessimist. Um, and there was a thread on on twenty four seven today. Uh, it started off talking about Josh Pate, who does a great podcast for twenty four seven, and uh, his expectations for the talking about the Mississippi State Texas A and M game that could be one to watch. And that thread kind of devolved into a, a, you know, Mike Leach expectations for the season. And we had another one. There was another one of those uh, the other day about talking about season tickets. And it's sort of... so I, I, I say this from the position of the guy who has made a living, who has gotten behind the microphone because I have been a consistent pessimist. But Robbie, I really don't understand why people are looking at this team that went from four wins to seven wins that beat Texas A&M, Auburn, Kentucky uh, a season ago that brings back 17 starters, brings back a ton of production, including one of the top quarterbacks in college football, and says, I don't think that team can improve by one game this year. I, I, that is, to me, is I guess the word I would use would be puzzling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is – it is what it is. You know, we, we've talked about this over and over, it seems, and just trying to figure out why people in this fan base are so down on this team. And uh, I keep going back to those last two games. I think that I think that really is the answer there. I think people were just really soured on that mm-hmm. and the way that they finished the year because there was so much promise going into that Egg Bowl. I mean, this was a – even though the numbers suggested and, and all – and you know, 
the past that State was not going to get there. There was talk about, you know, could this team slip into the Sugar Bowl if they beat Ole Miss? There was talk about Will Rogers is better than Matt Corral. Will Rogers should be a Heisman candidate. Will Rogers should win the uh, the Connolly Trophy. There was a lot of hype around this team going into that ball game, and after that game ended, I think the the air was deflated out of the balloon. I think that included the the team as well because there was just there really was not any gas left in the tank for that bowl game. Nobody wanted to be there. The fan base didn't want to be there. Um, that you had players opting out. You had players with COVID and all that. And I think that's just trickled into the off season. I mean, we were thinking that maybe that Liberty Bowl could be what it was for Mississippi State in 2013 and what, what it was leading into the offseason and into the season, and it just wasn't. I mean, the people were just so deflated at that point. It didn't work out the same way. So that's why you're dealing with this right now. But in reality, a lot to like about this team going into 2022. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, Mike Leach is a guy who, who's, who's not who's, – What's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't know, but he's known as a program improver, right? That when yeah. he gets there, things tend to get better over the years, and then eventually, he, you know, he'll plateau at some point. You know, he's never won a national title or a conference title. I get that, but you know, he, he's known as an improver. I know at Washington State they took a step back in year three, but if you go back and look at the stats, it wasn't offensively they took the step back; it was defensively. And with Arnett and with the guys they've brought back and with the guys they brought in the portal, I don't see a huge step back. In fact, I see a step forward defensively this year. So I think this team is going to improve. They, they, they won two out of three on the road against Auburn, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. There's no reason they can't duplicate that or possibly improve upon it and get all three of them. Kentucky is going to be a tough game. We're going to talk about that game in just a, a minute. Ole Miss is a team that, you know, right now I have a ton of questions about. If you said they were going to play this week, if that was the season opener, I would think State could win it. If, you know, by the end of the season, it could be a different story because there's so many question marks about Ole Miss. If they answer those questions, that's going to be a pretty good football team. And it is in Oxford. You know, Vanderbilt, I'm sorry, Georgia and Alabama, you you sort of know what those are. LSU is another team. You get them so early in the season, they may not be aware, you know, not be reaching their their full potential, may not be clicking just yet. Chance to win that game. State has. Say there's a lot of toss-up games. I get that. But they're going to have the advantage in terms of experience over most teams they play. They're obviously not going to be as talented as some of them. I, I just saw a team that last year was much better than it was the year before. I just don't understand why people are so adamant that it can't happen again. I, it, it feels – I'm not one of these guys that's like, okay, you know, it's obviously you have a grudge against Mike Leach. You just don't like Mike Leach. I'm not saying that at all. But when you say things like that, when you say, like, I don't see how this team's going to be better, okay, well, they bring back all this production and, and they were better last year over the – it does – I get why people think it's personal. I do. I do get that. Yeah, and I just – I feel like we're ignoring Mike Leach's past. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy that's been one of the most consistent coaches in college football mm-hmm. during his career. And at places that are not – traditional winners places that it's hard to win uh you know you go back to his texas tech days he's he wins seven games his first two years and then he hits nine and he never got below eight wins the rest of his career there and he might still be coaching there if uh if the things didn't turn out the way that they did right uh and it wasn't because of wins and losses and then you go to washington state you mentioned that drop off in year three but that team is not comparable to Mississippi State in year three. Mississippi State's got a much more experienced roster than they do at that point, and that was kind of a – it seems like a transition year for them. They went to nine wins the very next year, and their worst season after that was six wins, but they went nine, eight, nine, 11 in in those next few years. So this is what Mike Leach does. He builds and builds and builds, and and then, like you said, he he kind of plateaus, and he's got a consistent team the rest of the way. His Texas Tech teams, after that, after those first uh, seven win seasons, and then he got nine and eight wins. They were in the top twenty-five almost every single year, the rest of the way there. So, I feel like this Mississippi State team at this point, you come out this year, you win eight games. I feel like you should stay around that realm the rest of the way under Mike Leach. He should have a team 
that's able to compete for eight or nine wins every year. And at Mississippi State, if you're winning eight or nine games a year and you're, and you're beating Ole Miss on a regular basis, this fan base is going to love you. I yeah. mean, th- there's not going to be any issues. That, that I think, was, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, just, I, I think that fans are waiting for Mike Leach to do, to do what he did at Texas Tech to prove that he can win you know, eight or nine games mm-hmm. and, be, and be consistent. Because right now they just have this, you know, we haven't really seen anything spectacular from Mississippi State. But. I get what you're saying, but if State had been better on special teams last year, they would have won nine easily. easily. Exactly. But it's kind of like what I told you when we were talking last week about the, the win totals. You know, there's not a whole lot of respect for Mississippi State. They're, they're picking State for uh, an over-under of six and a half or whatever. But it's just people looking at results. I think a lot. I, I don't think pe- I don't think I don't think we're looking close at what happened in those ball games and the fact that you should expect Mississippi State if faced with those similar situations this year with a, a third year quarterback and a lot of guys that are going coming into their junior season an improved kicking game you would you would think you should expect Mississippi State to win those battles this year and not kind of melt out there. This team should be built to win those ball games. And if you're doing that, that's a nine-win, ten-win team. Uh, if those situations pop in for Mississippi State this year, that team in Washington State, by the way, that year three team we were talking about. I mean, offensively, they threw for fifty-three hundred yards, forty-five touchdowns, eighteen picks. I don't think Will Rogers will throw eighteen picks for sure. I don't think they'll throw for fifty-three hundred yards either. Let's be clear on that. But that's his that's- his teams at Washington State seem to throw a lot of interceptions. They did. And Rodgers last year did not. But Which this, I think, I think speaks up, they, of Will Rodgers right. more than anything. They gave up 445 yards of offense a game, this team did. I mean, State's yeah, not going to do that. That's just not They're gonna, never going to have a defense that bad here. Right. So, yeah, this, this team is going to be better this year. I, eight and four, to me, feels like a very solid prediction. And if they're not, then, you know, we'll talk about it. But eight and four, especially – and you got to win the – I think you got to win the Egg Bowl in that eight. To, to keep the pressure off. Yes. Because if you're eight and three going into the egg bowl and you lose, you're gonna that, that's gonna leave a sour taste. There's just no way around that. But I mean, I, I think fan I think there's a lot of fans that would take seven wins in an egg bowl. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. Like I like, don't you think it would be like do you think that this fan base would be happier with seven wins in the egg bowl than eight wins without one? That's a good question and one that you know Ole Miss fans would make fun of Mississippi State fans about. But there's really no di- – if we're talking about there's between like 10 wins and seven wins, would you rather be 10-2 and two with an Egg Bowl loss or 7-5 and five with an Egg Bowl win? I'd rather be 10-2. Yeah, I'm t- right? yeah. Every, everybody would – you would think everybody would take the 10 wins. But the difference between eight and seven is negligible. You're, you're yeah. going to the same tier of bowls. So I'd rather finish the season on a positive note, win right. the state rivalry game, and have some momentum going into the bowl. Yeah, because you could you could go to the bowl game after losing Ole Miss and lay an egg, mm-hmm. and then on the opposite side of things, you could win eight eight ball games after the bowl yeah. game. So it might be the same anyway. It'd be the same record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think I think just about everybody would sign up with seven wins and an egg bowl win. But I think this team can win eight. I think they'll be improved over over last season. Yeah. All right. Let's move on into our SEC predictions. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. You know, one thing I like to do every week, one place I get my ideas from for what I want to cook, is I go to Reddit, and they have a barbecue page, and those guys and girls putting up all sorts of great-looking food. And I can't tell you how much – it's all it's all the best-looking stuff is always beef, man. People who are grilling tenderloins, prime ribs, briskets, and then just steaks and tri-tips and, and even burgers, man. Beef is the answer for your grilling questions. If you're going to fire up the grill this weekend, put some beef on it. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. You know, Robbie and I were two brothers the other day for his birthday, and i got to tell you, I was, I was a little surprised at what happened there. It wasn't fantastic. I wasn't surprised at all. It's always good when we go to Two Brothers. Food's great. The people are great. The atmosphere is great. That's why I've been telling you this whole time, Two Brothers Smoked Meats. It's my number one recommendation whenever somebody comes to Starkville. There's a reason for that. They earn that reputation. They don't ever do anything to, to disturb it. You know what you're going to get. And that, to me, consistency is the most important thing when you're trying to pick a place to go eat, man. I want to know that I'm going to have as good a time last time this time as I had the last time. 
If you can deliver that, you're halfway there. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. That's the place to find smoked southern soul food. Advantage Business Systems makes it pretty easy for you when they say we sell great products and we offer great service. I know that everybody says that, but who really delivers on it? Let me tell you why it's Advantage Business Systems. If you, have, if you buy a product from them, when you call them and you say, okay, hey, I've got a problem, you're not going on hold for 30 to 40 minutes. You're not talking to somebody who's halfway across the world. You're not talking to somebody who can't help you right away. You're not dealing with a company who says, okay, we have to send a tech out there who doesn't work for us. So they'll be out there, you know, seven to 10 days. None of those things happen with Advantage Business Systems. You're talking to somebody here in this state. They're going to pick up the phone. They're going to answer your, your questions. And they're going to get somebody out to you as quickly as possible to get you back up and running. They know you can't afford to wait. That's the kind of service that keeps you in business for 40-plus years, nearly 50 years now. Advantage Business Systems have been doing work with businesses just like yours. Call them today. Find out what they can do for you. 601-362-9192. Or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. All right. We're going to our third SEC prediction, and that is the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Ten wins a year ago. That's their uh, second. They've had two 10-win seasons in the last five. Mike Mark Stoops, he's just a really good football coach. And as start, he's really starting to get this program, and I think we're going to see this when we go over this schedule. He's, he's got this program maybe as, as far as it can go. I don't know that they can be a consistent year-in, year-out contender to win the SEC East. Being in the discussion, being close, is really good for them. So let's 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 look at this and, and sort of go through the schedule, Robbie. Obviously, they start off probably one and zero, Miami of Ohio. Then they got to travel. They get right into it. They, they travel down to Gainesville to take on Florida. You know, that's a team that they had lost thirty one in a row to prior to Dan Mullen's arrival. And then he lost. He split with them over his four years uh, at Florida, including last year. They lost the game up there in Lexington. They lost in Gainesville his first season there. I mean, I got to be honest, I, I, Florida this early in the season, they're not going to really know what they are. They're going to be coming off a really tough opener against Utah. That'll be a physical football game. I'm going to have Kentucky go down to Gainesville and get the win. Yeah, really interesting early season battle. Napier's just getting started. He's trying to implement the system. They got some. They're going to have some kinks to work through. Kentucky's got some experience returning, and this has been Stoops' program for a while now. They should be, you know, ready to roll here. And this is a team that hasn't won that much at Florida over the years, especially the last 25, 30 years or whatever. I think they've won like once. Uh, so, I mean, this is a team that that has struggled there, but this is a winnable game for them. And I think, you know, they're not going to be intimidated by the atmosphere. Obviously, they've gone in there before and won. So I, I think I'm going to go with Kentucky as well. All right, so two and zero, oh, then four and zero. Oh. Next two are Youngstown State and, and Northern Illinois, and then they have what is a super intriguing game. They'll travel to Oxford to play an Ole Miss team that should also be undefeated. Ole Miss plays their four non-conference games, and they're not they're not good ones. The best game on their schedule is at Georgia Tech. So if two four and zero oh teams meeting each other. I mean, this has potential to be a fantastic football game. Kentucky is the kind of team, Robbie, that in the years past would have given Ole Miss fits running the football and being as physical as they are. Ole Miss was better defensively a season ago, no question about that. But you lose Sam Williams, you lose Chance Campbell, you lose your defensive coordinator. So I don't really know what Ole Miss is going to be defensively. Kentucky can run, they're still going to be able to run the football with Chris Rodriguez. And Will Levis is a guy. We didn't talk a, a little bit about him. My goodness. Potential or projected number one pick in some mock drafts. I don't think either one of us agrees with that too much. But Rodriguez is a great running back. I think they'll be able to move the football a little miss. I'm going to take Kentucky to come down to Oxford and get the win. Yeah, really, really big matchup here in the middle of the schedule. You know, Ole Miss is – the first part of their schedule is just terrible. And really Kentucky's, is, Kentucky's is really not that much better. I mean, three, three of your first uh, four games are not good. Miami of Ohio, Youngstown, Northern Illinois – and then you've got Florida in there, which is, uh, you know, kind of rebuilding. So this is their first real test, and this is Ole Miss's first real test. I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go with Kentucky as well here. Um, really interesting battle. that You're going to check Ole Miss's old early in the schedule here. And Kentucky is, like you said, a very physical team, especially on offense. I think they can have some success on the ground against Ole Miss. I agree. 
So five and zero. I'll put them at six and zero. Next game is at home against South Carolina, and then Mississippi State comes to town. State, you know, obviously this series has sort of turned in that. Obviously, Dan Mullen dominated them the first what six seven years he was in Starkville, but since 2016, State has not won in Lexington. They've lost the last three trips up there, and I thought two years ago that was really the low point for Mississippi State to get absolutely handled by that was an average Kentucky team. And State literally could not do anything, could not get the ball into the end zone. Tur- really bad turnovers. Not just, not just you know, it's one thing a guy makes a great play and you throw an interception. Just throwing the ball up for grabs. The, the Osiris Mitchell fumble where he caught the ball and the guy just took it away from him going into the end zone. I thought State pl- played th- – this was easily the, the, the low point for Mississippi State in 2020. And it makes it, – Lexington's a tough place to play. The environment up there is really good, and if they're you're talking about a six and zero Kentucky team, they're probably ranked sixth or seventh in the nation at this point. I don't like state's chances there. I'll take Kentucky to win that one. Yeah, this is going to be tough. State has not played well there the last couple of times, especially on offense. They've just had two miserable experiences there the last two times they've been there. But you know, I think the offense is going to be significantly better. I think this is going to be a much more challenging game for Kentucky than it was the last couple of times, but I'm I'm not ready to pull the trigger on State winning this game on the road. But it could be one of those games, you know, that State's not favored in that Mike Leach wins. You know, he does one of those every year. Yeah. This could be that game. No, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So seven and oh, I think the 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 streak comes to an end the next week. They travel to Neyland Stadium to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. This is first off, this should be a fantastic football game. Really good game. Both of those teams, I think, will be – I don't know Tennessee's schedule off the top of my head, but I don't think they'll have a more than one or two. I, I'm sure they'll have played Alabama at this point. But, well, I take that back. That is the – that is the yeah, that's later enough in October that they would have played Alabama. But it should be a really good game. Uh, but I think Tennessee, just a little more explosive. And that game being in Knox, Knoxville, I give the volunteers the edge. Yeah, this is a really dangerous Tennessee team. I think Heupel's going to win there, and I think they can. I, I think they can compete for an SEC East championship before long. And they might be the. They might emerge. I think it's going to be between them and Kentucky emerging as the number two in the East. Mm-hmm. So that I think this could be the game for who's going to finish second. I agree. In the SEC East. I agree. With and you. Tennessee being at home probably going to give them the edge. Yeah. So seven and one. Nothing to sneeze at. Probably nine and one. The next two are at Missouri and then Vanderbilt at home. I think we would take them to win both of those games, correct? Yes. All right. And then they finish up here, uh, second to last week of the year, at home against Georgia. I don't think it'll be a blowout or anything like that, but I think Georgia has enough to win the game. Yeah, going to be tough for Kentucky, but I think they can put up a battle for the first half. Yeah, it feels like one of those games where they go to the half and it's like 17 to 13 or something like that, and it finishes up. You know, 34 to 20, something like that. Right. Uh, of course, I'd say 20 points would be a lot on that, that Georgia defense, but even so. And then Louisville, to finish out the year, they've had, they've sort of taken control of that rivalry, have won pretty easily the last three years. I think they'll do it do it again. 10 and 2 is what we've got them. That would be three five, 10 win seasons in the last five years for the Wildcats. That's pretty damned impressive. I mean, you got a chance to be in the Sugar Bowl. If they do that, that's three to ten win seasons in the last five years. They had two in their entire history coming into that first ten mm. win season. We we, we are high. I mean, this is a this is a very comparable program to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mississippi State has traditionally has not been uh, a winning program inside the SEC. One of those teams that's been around for a long time, but this has just not been their sport. Um, very few 10-win seasons, and Mark Stoops has kind of been their Dan Mullen, their guy that's brought a renaissance there. Doesn't appear and to be wanting to leave, though. Yeah, and that, they've invested in him, too. Yeah. You know, they, they took a chance on him. They've invested in him. They're paying him well, and the fan base has really rallied around him, and that, that is a, that's a tough place to win because it's so basketball-crazed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's Mississippi State baseball – on a 10 times more schedule. And it's not the most fertile recruiting ground there either. Right. You know, Ohio's been good, which he's he's gone and gotten some good talent he from is, Ohio. He's done – Kentucky. You talk about this a lot with Mississippi State, about going to Louisiana 
and get the kids LSU doesn't want. Yeah. He does that with the kids in Ohio that Ohio State doesn't want. Right. He's getting that second tier. Ohio produces plenty of great players. He's, yeah. he's done a good job there. You're absolutely correct about that. Andy Staples says that Kentucky's the, the best job in college football because Stoops can consistently win eight or nine or ten. And never he never has to win a national title. He doesn't even have to win the East. As long as he keeps winning like he's winning now, he can coach forever. It's a great job from a from you know a job security standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's it's a tough job because you're having to compete inside the SEC with programs that have way more resources than you do that are investing way more in football. But I think he's done an incredible job of building that team into a consistent threat. And they they're they're starting now to do some things they haven't done. So that they they still have a ways to go to compete nationally and compete on a year by year basis. But he's got them rolling pretty well to to be a, a a team of that magnitude that just hasn't been a winner in the past to be doing what they're doing. I think he's done a great job. So ten and two, we had Arkansas ten and two. We have Georgia undefeated. We'll have Alabama undefeated when we get to them. We both just said we think Tennessee is going to be really good. Should be some good high-level football in the SEC this year. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Tomorrow's show is the rumblings. Uh, so if you want to start firing off some questions to us, we'll be happy to answer them. Uh, we'll talk the Egg Bowl this week. I got to get. I didn't decide who we're going to interview yet, but we'll, uh, we'll do Egg Bowl in June as we start our opponent previews. That's always fun to do. And uh, assuming Robbie isn't murdered by some rogue Tennessee fan, uh, he'll be here to join us. So looking forward to that. So. For uh, for Robbie Falk, who may or may not need to enter a witness protection, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.